Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome into AOA, Agriculture of America. Happy to have you along with us once again. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Today's program brought to you by Cenex. Hard work, long hours, and extreme conditions, they aren't new. Cenex Premium Diesel meets the demands of today's toughest engines. Premium Diesel to keep you going. Learn more. Find your nearest Cenex location or visit Cenex.com. Again, that Premium Diesel to keep you going. Brought to you by Cenex. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk weather with DTN meteorologist John Baranek here in segment two and get his thoughts on what we are watching. Maybe a few different chances for precipitation this week across the U.S. Also coming up in segment three, just to hear on Monday morning, the National Potato Council releasing a new study. We're going to talk about the economic impact of potatoes and more with Cam Corals from the National Potato Council. He's going to join us coming up after the bottom of the hour in segment three today. And we'll also get a look at news headlines coming up here at the end of the show. First up, though, let's take a look at what is happening in the markets. Joining us for conversation, Bar Chart Senior Market Analyst Darren Newsom. Darren, great to have you back on the show with us here today. And, you know, soybeans are trying a little bit to rally here early Monday morning. But overall, I, I'm I'm with you. Your, uh, your morning commentary put it well. I think a lot of folks may be uh, taking a look at the uh, quote screen on Monday morning as they sip their coffee and turning mm-hmm. it back off because yeah. especially corn, just not looking very good here to start the week, is it, Darren? No, no, it's not. Uh, there, there's a lot of, you know, follow through selling from last week. And, you know, basically the trends haven't changed. And what we do see popping up every once in a while, as you mentioned, in the soybean market, we saw it a couple times overnight. There looks to be a little bit of commercial interest out there. And it's not surprising, given how low the cash market has come, that maybe we are making some sales in here. We haven't seen anything show up, but we got We need to watch uh, like the weekly export sales and shipments update. Uh, that being said, last Friday's, it was delayed a day because of the holiday a week ago. Uh, but uh, last week's re- update showed that uh, total sales of U.S. soybeans still running 20% behind last year. Some of this is due to tighter supplies, but also because of Brazil's larger supplies, uh, larger crops. So there's a lot of things going on. Uh, the bottom line is... You know, right now, the trends are down. We've got funds selling. They went to a new record large uh, net short futures position in corn. Uh, they continue to put pressure on soybeans and so on. There's just not a lot of uh, a bullish enthusiasm at this time. Well, and I, in terms of this spot corn contract, you mm-hmm. know, getting below four, I, I wonder, Darren, and I know you're watching the CFTC funds and those short mm-hmm. positions and the legacy futures here and, and more, you know, I think the market's probably looking for some sort of a final flush, so to speak. But fundamentally right now, I don't see any reason that's going to change that bearish tide in these markets to maybe cause some sort of a final flush here in this window. What do you think, Darren? No, you're, you're exactly right, Jesse. I, I mean, the funds they're, they're not afraid of the fundamentals at this point because we know, we can tell by the cash market and basis, 
that there's plenty of corn not only out there, but starting to make its way to town. The weather's going to be spring-like here uh, over the last week of February, heading into early March. And, you know, folks are just throwing in the towel. And so we are going to see more corn coming to town. We've got planting season coming up in 30 some odd days. Uh, so I think you're going to see a good amount of uh, on-farm corn moving to town. That's going to put pressure on not only the cash market, but basis. And it's going to be weighing on the futures market as well. You know, we've, as you said, we've broken below four. Uh, corn likes round numbers. Obviously, that opens the door to three, uh, 390. Uh, and, you know, and, and just keeps you know, keeps building on itself. Darren, it's been a little while since we've talked about the wheat markets. And mm -hmm. I know some folks have uh, said to me in passing that they are maybe watching to see wheat potentially be our uh, a leader to the upside, so to speak here in these grains, eventually, maybe possibly uh, <laughs> put a strong caveat on that. But what are you seeing right now in these wheat markets across all three classes, Darren? I tell you what, if if we, if it gets to the point where wheat is the leader, that's not necessarily a road that I want to follow down. Uh, wheat is a very uh, very erratic market, a sector. Let me put it that way. And as we look at the three, I mean, yes, we've seen some some interesting activity, but what what's happened here is mo mostly it's been some non-commercial short covering, particularly in the Chicago market. And so it has skewed what we think that we see happening in this market. Now, if we look out to the May, we still see that's under pressure. New crop July Chicago has not gone to a new uh, contract low yet, but new crop Kansas City did overnight. It did hit a new contract low. So, you know, if we read those signals, it tells us that there's still pressure in wheat. They're still looking at a better production this year. Uh, you know, much of the Southern Plains is not in drought for the first time in who knows how many years. Uh, so now we'll see how the rest of the year plays out, uh, you know, with the weather and, and, and potential production. But at this point, I wouldn't want lead, uh, wheat being the leader of the grains sector. Darren, you had a great column over the weekend as well. You mentioned the term hold and hope. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that at pretty as you allude to as well and i would agree it's pretty ugly strategy but is it something that some folks maybe need to think about and take a look at here in this window what do you think darren it's it's not my favorite strategy it hasn't been my favorite strategy for 30 some odd years uh I, I just don't i don't like anything that includes the word hope but I, that's what we see a lot of and that's what we've seen a lot of uh you want you you, all, you can almost counter that argument just go ahead and sell it you know, stop the bleeding right now because this market still has some room to the downside. So throw in the towel. And then if the market changes, there's going to be some opportunities to do something else. We can change our position accordingly. But, you know, as we watch it grind down, particularly in the corn market every day and the threat of basis starting to weaken as well uh, as more grain comes to town, I, I think it's very dangerous strategy that so many people are out there promoting is to hold and hope. I think it's a very dangerous strategy at this point. Darren, real quick, cattle markets as well, uh, no doubt reacting to what some are saying was maybe a little negative cattle on feed report on Friday. Your thoughts there? Uh, you know, the, the cattle on feed numbers were as of February 1st. So, you know, I know folks get excited about that, but they're a month old upon release. 
there really wasn't anything too surprising. In fact, it pretty much fit with spreads and basis activity and, and cash activity that we saw during January. What we are seeing is that these markets did get a bit ahead of themselves. They've been up for quite a while. Uh, they look like they were vulnerable to a sell-off, a little bit of room to the downside, not really tied to cattle on feed. All right. Well, we'll continue to watch these markets as we go throughout the week, and uh, we'll keep an eye on where things stand. Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart. Darren, it's always good to talk with you. Thanks for joining us here this uh, on AOA today, and we'll look forward to talking to you again next week. All right. Thanks again for having me on, Jesse. Darren Newsom there with Bar Chart joining us here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex. Not all grease is created equal. Cenex premium greases are made with high-quality ingredients to provide durable protection. Learn more at Cenex.com. All right, coming up next, looking like we got a few chances at precipitation this week ahead here across the country. We're going to get the details with DTN meteorologist John Baranek. He joins us on the way after this, back with more here on AOA right after the break. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Every day, our brave military men and women, along with their families, make tremendous sacrifices for our freedom. Patriotic Hearts, a nonprofit organization, is dedicated to supporting these heroes and their families in their times of need. By donating your unwanted card to Patriotic Hearts, you'll be supporting job transition and job fair programs, veteran entrepreneurship, counseling, and retreats for combat veterans and their spouses. Call 800-560-3870. You'll receive a tax deduction and we'll arrange a free pickup at your convenience. Imagine the difference you can make in the lives of those who have given so much for our country. Your car donation will directly impact military families, veterans, providing them with the support they desperately need. Call 800-560-3870. You can become a part of something bigger. Join us in our mission to uplift and honor our military community. Call 800-560-3870 to donate your unwanted card. My name is Ariel. When I arrived in the U.S. at 19, I struggled to find job opportunities without my high school diploma. My entire life changed when I took a chance and got my high school diploma at age 22. Everything I have, my education, my career, my marriage, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and my teachers. They were with me every step of the way, helping with my English and math, making sure I pushed through all the challenges. Ariel, your success proves that what I'm doing as a teacher has real meaning. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. 
Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. Education was the key that unlocked all my opportunities. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Well, we've been seeing temperatures remain unseasonably warm for this time of year across much of the country, especially east of the Rocky Mountains. Are we going to see some changes to that here this week ahead? Are we going to see some chances for precipitation? That's something we're going to take a look at here right now on AOA, brought to you today by Cenex. Downtime's a waste. Keep your equipment running smoothly by using high-quality Cenex premium diesel fuel. Learn more at Cenex.com. Joining us now for a look at the weather forecast, DTN meteorologist John Baranek is with us. John, good to catch up with you. Thanks for joining us. And uh, as I was mentioning, it's been pretty warm, but sounds like we might see some shifts to that weather pattern, at least briefly here as we go through this week, John. Yeah, I, Jesse, we're going to be looking at some real springtime weather. You know, we, we get into meteorological spring here at the end of the week on Friday, and boy, it's going to feel like it. Uh, we've got, um, you know, just wild swings in temperatures, all different types of, uh, precipitation types and amounts and severe thunderstorms and, uh, strong winds and, you know, just everything in between. It's, it's really going to feel like one of those transition periods and, uh, at least for the next two weeks here. So, I mean, I mean, as we're talking here today, we've already got temperatures that are nearing some, some record highs here for Monday. Um, you know, we're going to hit 60 all the way up into Minneapolis uh, into South Dakota here today. But we've got this huge cold front going through kind of uh, the Canadian prairies and the Pacific Northwest right now. We're going to flush all that warmth out. Um, it's going to be brief, but it, it will be a significant drop in temperatures as that thing goes racing through the country over the next couple of days. We'll see, you know, drops in temperatures, a good 30 to 40 degrees uh, from where we have them for today. So um, it's a it's a pretty strong cold front. Um and it's going to come with some areas of precipitation, too. I mean, we're going to see some snow in the northern plains. Um, kind of a heavy band looks like it'll form over North Dakota into northern Minnesota for tonight and Tuesday. Otherwise, any snow that's formed with it is probably pretty light, like around an inch or less. Um, but we'll also see thunderstorms developing out ahead of that uh, in the eastern Midwest tomorrow. Some of those could be severe. Uh, the Storm Prediction Center right now has a slight risk out, but they might bump that up tomorrow. We'll see how that all works out, but everything's going to be possible with that. Um, hail is probably the most likely, um, large hail is probably the most likely uh, form of severe weather for tomorrow, but um, strong winds, tornadoes can't be ruled out either uh, as this moves mm -hmm. across the eastern half of the Midwest. And like I said, those those, those winds and, and temperatures will, the, the winds will pick up and the temperatures will drop uh, quite significantly behind that. But it's only a day's worth. It's it's kind of wild. I mean, if you look at your local forecast, you'll see that coming in tomorrow and or Wednesday, just depending on where you are in the country. Super sharp drop in temperatures, and then the, a day or 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 so later, they pop right back up. And so your forecast there is going to look kind of wild uh, as we go throughout the week. Well, John, that old term, you know, March uh, coming in like a lion going out like a lamb kind of sounds like we're getting a slightly early start to that here with some of this early week precipitation and more. But, you know, as I was kind of looking through the weather forecast too, you know, out ahead of 
uh, you know, what we're going to see here the early part of this week. It looks like maybe some more impulses by the weekend in the next week as well. So it, it kind of feels like we're, we're starting up a train of, of precipitation here, so to speak, John. It sure feels like that, at least stronger storm systems. You know, even even later this week, we get this little one to kind of cruise across the southern tier of the country Thursday through the weekend with some showers down there, some thunderstorms uh, closer to the Gulf of Mexico. But, you know, that's not really going to be a, a, a huge uh, talking point. What will be is another large storm system moving into the west here this weekend and then cruising across the country next week. And kind of like the, the first one, we're going to see kind of widespread precipitation. This one will turn out differently than the one this week. Um, but, you know, we can expect widespread precipitation, multiple precipitation types, strong winds, thunderstorms, potential for severe weather, and a nice sharp drop in temperatures again. Uh, what's different about this one is that we don't pop those temperatures right back up again quite so, uh, quite so quickly later next week at least that's the forecast for right now we'll see how that holds up we know how spring goes uh with, when we get these kind of wild reactions in the in the atmosphere we see large temperature swings kind of happen out of nowhere and uh, this is a good month to make us meteorologists look stupid uh with with, with our forecast <laughs> well john uh you know thinking about you brought up severe weather and something that i've noticed here over the last couple of years as we go through january february etc it feels like we have some some earlier rounds of severe weather outbreaks that have been happening in recent years with some of these systems coming through the next uh, week or two and you kind of alluded to this a little bit ago. Are we expecting widespread, large, severe weather outbreaks possibly here with any of these systems, John? Uh, I wouldn't call them super intense or widespread outbreaks with them. Um, the one for tomorrow across kind of, and it's really going to be from Illinois into southern Michigan, uh, that kind of general area for tomorrow. So it's not super widespread, but, you know, it, it does come with, with a, significant risk early on in the season we usually don't t talk about that until you know mid-march or early april getting that far north and even the, the storm system for um you know sunday monday of next week um that could be farther north that could be iowa into minnesota potentially uh mm -hmm. with some of the severe weather so yeah i mean it is it does seem like it's coming earlier but you know we've had outbreaks um in years ago get this far north it's just you know we forget about them right i mean when it happens 20 30 years ago we just don't remember them so we think it's kind of a little bit more out of the ordinary than, than it actually is but it's not like it's super you know uh common to get thunderstorms and in, in into minnesota um at the end of of february or early march it's just you know it's not very typical and and getting that to be severe obviously isn't either but uh, it's not like it hasn't happened before Definitely. Okay. Well, I appreciate the thoughts on that. It was just a, a general thing I was kind of thinking about here. John, I know too, uh, with all this, uh, these precipitation events coming through, rain, snow, et cetera, uh, I know we're keeping a close eye on subsoil moisture and things like that as we get ready for spring planting season. Does it look like some of this precipitation could maybe help some of those dry areas and parts of the Midwest here this week and into next? I think so. Some, um, you know, but we do have the, the winds too, that will be roaring uh, with it as well. And not just on the backside when the cold is, is coming in, but also on the front side when the, when the warm is returning. And so, you know, winds tend to dry out the soil moisture as well, especially on that top layer 
And if you look at the National Weather Service site this morning, you'll see a whole bunch of red across uh, the middle of the country with some fire uh, fire risks in there. So we'll be having to watch with that. Um, but, you know, whenever we get some precipitation, it's 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 good news, um, you know, because we're going to need that when, when we get into, you know, planting season here. And that's not coming up. That's coming up pretty, pretty quickly here for some folks across the south. Um, you know, in just a couple of weeks, probably they'll get started. So um, that's something that is definitely on our minds. Um, and, you know, the kind of the, the central Midwest where we have kind of the, the biggest pocket of, of dryness right now, right around Iowa into Wisconsin. Uh, we're, we're hoping that uh, the month of March stays pretty active. It does look like it will. And hopefully that'll uh, build up some soil moisture and reduce whatever uh, long-term deficits and drought we have in the region. Um, mm -hmm. But we're going to, we're going to need it to be active. So um, the good news is that, is that it looks active, just how active it will be and you know how much precipitation that means for these areas, whether we can build enough soil moisture without getting too flooded in some areas is, is another thing to talk about. I mean, just the spring just is, is just a wild, wild time period to, to be going through. And uh, we'll be talking about it every week here. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Uh, real quick, got about a minute. South America, uh, any notes what you're watching in Brazil and Argentina here this week, John? Yeah, the rain's pretty pretty benign this week. I mean, we've got some more isolated showers in central Brazil, which will help them kind of do their field work and, and plant their safrina corn. Um, but they'll be picking up some more widespread showers, it looks like, this weekend. So everything's going pretty decently for them there in the central part of the, of the country. Southern Brazil and northern Argentina get some pretty heavy rain over the next few days. That'll help them out. And then southern Argentina is a little bit drier. Um, they would probably prefer a little bit more rainfall, but they've got some little isolated things going through all week long. So it's not like it's going to be super dry there. So if you kind of add up a, a whole seven day, uh, total around there, looks pretty decent across most of, of South America, no real glaring, uh, dry spots to talk about. And, um, you know, some, some areas that have been dry are getting some, some rain. So that'll be good for them. Well, we'll keep our eyes on that as we move through the week and get ready to enter into the month of March. And I know folks can uh, stay up to date with uh, the latest weather forecasts and more and uh, the work from John and the DTN meteorological team. Just go to DTNPF.com. John Baranek, DTN meteorologist. Thanks for joining us, John. Appreciate it. And uh, maybe we'll see you this week at Commodity Classic. I know you're going to be at Houston, Texas, uh, speaking on Friday, correct? That's right. I'll be speaking early Friday morning. I think it's at 830 uh, Central Time. So if you're around and you're I'd love to come, I'd love for you to, to, to come in and chat with us. We'll we'll be, we'll have a good we'll have a good talk there about what the what's expected over the rest of the uh, uh, 2024 season. Well, we'll look forward to it. John, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jesse. All right. DTN's John Baranek. Coming up here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. We're going to talk with Cam Corals from the National Potato Council on the way next here on AOA. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of the Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for the Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. 
Are you heading to Commodity Classic? Stop by AGI booth 3403 for some exciting live radio. This is Jesse Allen. I'll be broadcasting AOA live on Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. We'll be discussing all things grain and digital from bins and bin monitoring to data and dryers. That's Thursday from AGI booth 3403 from 9 to 10 a.m. at Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas. Here's a check of the markets. You're listening to AOA. Let's get a rundown of where things stand in grains and livestock here early on this Monday. We see the soy complex doing its best to move higher here in early week trade, and that is helping to pull on corn and wheat off of some of the lows. Wheat, especially a few cents off of the lows of the session here so far. Corn market, though, continuing to chop around near its recent lows. In fact, spot March corn still hanging on to a three here in front of the price, uh, trying to get back above that $4 handle here in spot futures. Overall, the trend remains downward for the most part here in this grain and oilseed trade, but maybe getting a slight short covering rally here led by soybeans to start off the week. China bought 10 cargoes of Ukrainian corn last week, according to cash sources, as it remains the cheapest available on the market currently. Also, Brazil's in the process of shifting its ports over to focus on soybean exports. Some of those Brazil beans making it north to the United States. Shipment data showing three cargoes containing just under 4 million bushels of Brazilian soybeans expected to make their way to the U.S. southeast for processing. That's not unusual when Brazil has big supplies relative to the U.S., and it doesn't make much of a dent in the U.S. balance sheet, but it does tend to have a fairly large psychological impact on the market. Now, managed money continues to build record to near record short positions across this grain and oilseed sector, pulling prices to their lowest level in roughly three years, depending on the market. These markets are very oversold, and it could be a final flush in front of us here, but until we get a fundamental reason to force a change in this market direction, chances are we could continue to leak lower. Meantime, cattle and hogs are starting the week lower with triple-digit losses in both fats and feeders after a somewhat neutral to bearish cattle on feed report was seen on Friday. This is AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen. Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We work around it and we live around it every day. And we just become desensitized to what's around us. We go through safety training and, you know, we try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen, but you just never know. There are so many farmers that I think take for granted all of the underground utilities that are there. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. I mean, we kind to know what's out here, but all at the same time, you, you just always call. Farm Safe 811 starts with you. Whether you're installing drain tile or doing any sort of digging, always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked and have the depth confirmed. That's farming with care. But if a line does get damaged, go somewhere safe and call 911. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cenex. Extreme cold temperatures put your vehicles to the test. Cenex premium lubricants are made with quality ingredients to keep you going. Learn more online at Cenex.com or find your nearest Cenex location. 
Well, the National Potato Council has released a new report on the economic potential of U.S. potato exports. And also, they are gearing up to host their Washington Summit this week. We're going to talk about all that and more right now on AOA. Joining us, National Potato Council CEO Cam Corals is with us. Cam, it's good to talk with you again. Thanks for joining us today. Jesse, happy Monday. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start first. I know we got plenty to talk about in terms of this week's Washington Summit, but this brand new report uh, just released on Monday morning looking at that economic potential of U.S. potato exports. Could you uh, give us some of the highlights of the rundown of uh, what was found with this new NPC report? Yeah, absolutely. So you might remember a year ago, Michigan State uh, did a study for us that looked at the entirety of the potato industry's value chain, it found that roughly $10 billion is, is generated at Farmgate. This year, uh, we, we asked them to look at what, what is specifically, what is the channel of our, the segment of our business related to exports? What does that mean for the United States? And they found that, th this wasn't a surprise to us, that about $2 billion of that $10 billion goes overseas in some form. And that was kind of a rule of thumb for us. About 20% of all potatoes grown in the United States have got to find a home in foreign markets. But the value of those exports to the country right now is, is roughly $4.8 billion a year. And even better, they support uh, roughly 34,000 jobs in, in the United States, just the exports that go from, from the, 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 the uh, potato industry. And then we asked Michigan State to do something. I said, how much could that grow, Jesse, um, if we got access to some of these markets that you and I have talked about, like getting into mm -hmm. Japan? What, what would that mean for us? And the, the economists there assessed that that would add an additional billion dollars a year and uh, over 5,000 additional jobs. If we could get uh, Japan open to fresh exports, if we could increase um, our fully build out our Mexico market, um, get access, uh, expanded access to South Korea and Vietnam and these other opportunities that are, that are around the country. So really kind of eye-opening and focuses specifically just on the, on the value of exports uh, to the United States that are generated on America's family potato farms. Well, and I know, as you mentioned, we've talked about some of those markets before here on the show, and I would say, you know, no, um, no trade deal or market expansion is, is easy, but I feel like some of those markets, the work that NPC has already been doing, they're, they're fairly achievable, uh, expansions into those markets like Japan with fresh potatoes, et cetera, isn't it, Cam? Yeah, I, I think you're right. All of the none of these are pie in the sky. Um, we we can absolutely uh, get Japan open. Uh, we're we're already shipping uh, fresh potatoes that go to their chip market. Um, we're already shipping those today. Uh, the opportunities to ship fresh table stock, what we call the table stock, which would uh, end up in in grocery stores or on uh, uh, at, at restaurants. Um, that that is a very achievable goal, but for the politics uh, associated with it, um, it, it is uh, obviously tremendously frustrating to us to have some of these trade impediments that are out there that prevent us from generating that additional billion dollars and all those jobs. 
Um, but I, I think with with the right amount of political support and technical support, we can get there. Well, thinking of politics and more, Cam, let's turn our attention to the Washington Summit you guys have this week. And I know uh, you have a great amount of growers and industry partners who have flown in to talk policy and more. And I, I know, of course, Farm Bill, we continue to watch uh, a lack of a new Farm Bill right now and trying to figure that out. Cam, I'm sure that's going to be one of the big topics for you guys this week. Yeah, it absolutely is. We've obviously committed a lot of time to trying to get a new farm bill in. And, you know, there's there's uh, for all of the things that the farm bill does, exports, trade promotion, uh, USDA uh, trade dollars. That's that's a portion of the farm bill. You've got research and and uh, pest and disease exclusion. All of these things are embedded in in that fundamental U.S. farm policy document. Um, whether or not we can get that to the finish line, Jesse, I, you know, we, you and I, uh, we're talking earlier and um, trying trying to see if the government stays open beyond the end of this week is that that's the first challenge out there. And then trying to deliver a farm bill, I guess that's a, that's another order of magnitude. But uh, we're obviously going to be advocating for both things to to happen this week. We would we would love to see USDA keep functioning past Friday, and we'd love to see a new farm bill for the next five years. Well, and thinking about trying to get a farm bill done and with the Washington Summit this week, what, what are some things that uh, the Potato Council, you guys are going to be able to do? Are you going to have opportunities to talk with lawmakers this week and, and things like that to, t to talk about some of your priorities like a new farm bill and, and other aspects? I mean, walk us through what, what are some of the things that are going to happen this week there in D.C., Cam? Yeah, that's one of the things that we tell our growers every single year, Jesse, is, you know, regardless of kind of the swirling chaos around the, the political, you know, drama that captures D.C. every day, there's a lot of fundamental work that goes on behind the scenes. And certainly farmers aren't taking a day off. The potato industry isn't taking a day off. So advancing things like um, dealing with regulations associated with the Environmental, Environmental Protection Agency, trying to get uh, adequate agricultural labor to U.S. farms. Um, clearly, we, we already talked about trade deals. Uh, just, you know, having, if, if the government can get to an appropriations bill for this fiscal year, embedded within that is agricultural research for the potato industry that that really, that, that's going to provide benefits 5, 10, 20 years down the line. We don't want to see those programs fall off the uh, fall off the table because of political drama. So we're doing all of that stuff. It might not be the the uh, type of things that end up in press conferences on you know CNN or Fox News or whatever, but it's really fundamental to making sure this great industry keeps working. Well, Cam, thinking about uh, Farm Bill and, and all the different aspects that go into it, uh, nutrition aspects and more, um, We've talked about this before with the presidential calendar ticking in front of us here as well and appropriations still needing to happen, I guess. Is it something to where getting it done correctly is more important than getting it done this year? Do we have to kick the can down the road again for another year? Or do you think there's still a window to get this thing done ahead of the presidential election camp? Um, I, you know, that, that you, you have asked a multi, literally over a trillion dollar question there, Jesse. Um, I, I think there is an opportunity to get it done this year, whether or not it occurs before or the presidential, you still have a runway past the election in November where you could get it done this year. 
um, I, 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 I tend to, I continue to be an optimist that we can deliver that. Um, but to your first question, getting the right policy is vastly better than getting a fragmented policy um, just for the sake of meeting a deadline. I think everybody, you know, the folks we compete against around the world, they're, they're putting their best policies forward to try to take markets away from us. And we as Americans need to demand the best from our government to make sure that we can compete against those foreign interests. So I, I think it's worth the, worth the time to get it right. Well, not to throw a, a loaded question at you there, Cam, but I appreciate the thoughts on that one for sure. You uh, you mentioned ag labor in there too a little bit, and I know there's uh, there's been a lot of talks about reforms to the H-2A visa program, for instance, things like that, trying to find that that labor force in some of the uh, specialty crop industries, for instance, such as potatoes. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you think, though, that ag labor is an issue that might have to get decided all on its own i'm guessing it's probably not something that can get wrapped up in a in a farm bill per se because of just the the nuances there what do you think cam well i mean we're obviously we're looking at any possible um vehicle that can move that issue forward i will tell you and i, I don't exactly think this is breaking news for you jesse you probably figured this out all on all on your own that the border crisis has not helped that issue very much but you know you got to recognize you mentioned the H-2A program. That, that program, as much as, as growers are trying to make it work, that, that program is, you know, it, it's got some fundamental flaws in it, and it absolutely needs to be reformed. Uh, I, for, you know, a lot of listeners know this, but maybe some don't. The federal government, for the H-2A program, the federal government sets a mandatory minimum wage every single year, and sometimes that wage goes up by 15 to 20 percent. In a, right in the middle of folks' production cycles. And how you manage a business when you don't know what your labor costs are going to be, um, when the, the federal government, the Department of Labor, just airdrops a new wage onto you, that's really challenging amongst all the other burdens that that program has. Uh, we've, we've got to get to a reformed H-2A program. The notion by, by individuals that um, it's, it's simply a case where uh, uh, farmers need to more, more diligently use that program is laughable. It is, a, it is a broken, flawed program, and we've got to have something that's competitive. And if, a, if the Farm Bill can deliver that, that's great. We'll take any opportunity that we can. Um, the, I, the Farm Bill obviously mm -hmm. has a lot of funding challenges right now, so I, I, you know, that, that would be adding a another challenge to it. But Again, we're, we've got to look at every opportunity to advance the ag labor issue. Definitely. Well, folks can find the new economic report as well, nationalpotatocouncil.org slash SpudNation. NPC CEO Cam Quarles. Cam, great to talk with you. Thanks for joining us on AOA today. Good to be with you, Jesse. Thank you. All right. Put up next on AOA brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. We'll take a look at news headlines on the way right after the break. Promise is potent, born of intention, fueled by commitment. It's seeing things through, always showing up. And we know a thing or two about promises here at Susan G. Komen. Over 40 years ago, we locked arms with you toward one vision, a world without breast cancer. 
By investing in life-saving research and standing up for patient rights, we are shifting the system so all people everywhere get the care they deserve. Because if you've just been diagnosed and don't know where to turn, we've got you. If you can't afford the treatment you need, we've got you. And if you are driven to raise money to honor the best friend you've just lost, we have a place for you here because of you. We're supporting those who need help today while tirelessly searching for tomorrow's cures. Ending breast cancer needs all of us. Visit Komen.org and be a part of the Susan G. Komen community today. Everyone has a community to lean on, a neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use. You've talked with your kids and shared clear expectations, but you're not with them every minute. Your community members, friends and relatives, teachers and coaches, faith leaders, and other important adults in your kids' lives can be your eyes, ears, and a supportive influence when you're not around, reinforcing your messages with your kids and alerting you to warning signs of underage drinking or other substance use. So talk with your kids about these issues and involve the members of your community to help keep your kids safe. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit talktheyhearyou.samhsa.gov. Wheat growers of the North, it's time to push performance with Westbred Wheat. With regionally proven varieties like WB9606 with good stress tolerance and WB9719 with outstanding yield potential and excellent standability. Trust Westbred Wheat to help you get the most out of every acre. Now's the time. Boldly grow. Seize the season with Westbred Wheat. Performance may vary. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Are you heading to Commodity Classic? Stop by AGI Booth 3403 for some exciting live radio. This is Jesse Allen. I'll be broadcasting AOA live on Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. We'll be discussing all things grain and digital, from bins and bin monitoring to data and dryers. 
That's Thursday from AGI Booth 3403 from 9 to 10 a.m. at Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Information America's farmers and ranchers need. AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA Agriculture of America. The show today brought to you by Cenex. Cenex can help you determine the right high-quality premium lubricants to keep equipment protected for the long haul. Trust your local experts at Cenex, or you can visit Cenex.com for more information. Well, let's take a look at some news headlines here before we wrap up our program today. And Summit Carbon Solutions CEO Lee Blank was pretty blunt in his assessment of where things stand on the development of the Midwest Carbon Express CO2 pipeline during the National Ethanol Conference last week in San Diego, California. According to a DTN article from Todd Neely, although regulatory disputes and opposition from environmental groups recently took down Summit's competition in Navigator CO2, Blank said his company's own ongoing battles have stiffened resolve to build the carbon pipeline across Iowa, South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, and Nebraska. Blank laid out where the company stands on permitting battles in each state, as well as the nature of the continued opposition to the pipeline project. Now, Blank told ethanol producers and farmers during a panel discussion on Tuesday, quote, if you see the project and you support the project, it's no time to be meek and it's no time to be mild. Now is the time because we're right up against these permits. We're right up against legislation. And now is the time that if we want this project to be completed, then we believe it's really good for the industry. And I think we all know now is the time. This will not happen again. No one will take this on to try and take these hurdles on this again and spend a lot of money, hit these political environments, utility commissions that have made it very, very difficult. Now is the time, end quote. Now, the project is becoming an easier sell to farmer, landowners, and others in rural America, he said. The ethanol industry is expected to play a large role as a feedstock provider in the production of sustainable aviation fuel, so long as the ethanol industry can improve its carbon intensity score. That's why carbon capture and storage is important. Uh, there is potential for another wave of economic expansion in rural communities similar to the early days of the renewable fuel standard starting in 2005. If ethanol producers can become part of the SAF expansion, now, Blank said that opportunity is why Summit continues to press forward, saying, quote, it really has just hardened our attitude towards accomplishing this project, end quote. Now, Blank said the company plans to begin construction in early 2025 with operations launching in early 2026. If completed, the pipeline would connect to 51 ethanol plants and provide a lift to the ethanol industry's prospects of being a part of sustainable aviation fuel production. Now, in Iowa, 
Blank said he anticipates a decision coming from the Iowa Utilities Board on the company's permit application sometime this first quarter. Summit has acquired about 75% of the right-of-way needed in the state. After the North Dakota Public Service Commission denied Summit's permit application, the company completed reroutes in three different counties. In South Dakota, the state's Public Utilities Commission rejected Summit's permit application last fall. The PUC said back in September the proposed pipeline route had conflicts with county guidelines on setbacks and other issues. In Nebraska this past week, the Stanton County Board denied a conditional use permit request from Summit as well. Now, the rest of the article from DTN goes into more detail. Blank also said that it was a, quote, very loud minority, end quote, of people expressing opposition to the project. The focus of the opposition, he said, keeps evolving as the company addresses concerns raised. Again, that article from DTN's Todd Neely as Summit Carbon Solutions CEO Lee Blank spoke last week at the National Ethanol Conference in San Diego. You can find more online. Just go to DTNPF.com. As we take a look at other news headlines here in agriculture, Montana Democratic Senator John Tester and Iowa Republican Chuck Grassley wrote a letter asking colleagues to help assure the strong enforcement of the Packers and Stockyards Act. They're asking other senators to oppose any policy rider in the 2024 Ag Appropriations Bill that would prevent the USDA from enforcing the act to hold multinational food manufacturers accountable. Now, the letter says, quote, Four companies control over 80% of domestic beef processing, 60% of hog processing, and 50% of domestic poultry processing. This level of concentration is bad for consumers and family farmers, but good for the giant meat packers, end quote. Now, they point out that the companies have reported record profits in the last few years, while farmers and ranchers struggle to make ends meet and consumers are paying too much for proteins at the grocery store. The letter added, quote, Congress must reject any rider blocking USDA from implementing bipartisan reforms, end quote. While soybean production estimates for Argentina and Brazil, along with corn production estimates for Argentina, were lowered by agribusiness consultancy AgroConsult and the Rosario Grain Exchange. Brazil's 23-24 soybean crop estimate was cut to 152.2 million metric tons from 153.8 million. Now, AgroConsult says adverse weather in key production states is a big reason for the drop. Argentina's Rosario Grains Exchange cut its estimates for the country's 23-24 soybean and corn harvest to 49.5 million and 57 million metric tons. The cut comes after a heat wave in late January and early February. Now, the exchange has previously calculated the soybean harvest at 52 million tons and the corn harvest at 59 million tons. AgroConsult says about 40% of the crops were affected by high temperatures and low rainfall in Mato Grosso, Brazil's biggest farm state. Despite higher than usual temperatures that started in mid-January, Argentina's corn harvest will hit a record level this season. Also, the American Farm Bureau and National Farmers Union have sent a letter to USDA asking for stability in Class 1 milk prices. The letter asks Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack to issue an interim final decision to return the Class 1 mover formula to the higher of the Class 3 or Class 4 calculations as it was before the 2018 Farm Bill. The letter states, quote, dairy farmers remain stuck with the current pricing regulations until USDA publishes a final rule. Current market dynamics underscore the need for an expedited return to the higher of class one mover, end quote. 
Now, the current Class 1 mover was a well-intentioned but misguided policy that has reduced dairy farmer income, according to the letter by the American Farm Bureau and National Farmers Union. Emergency implementation of the hire of Class 1 mover formula will staunch persistent losses associated with a policy that many say has left dairy farmers struggling to make ends meet. And many say the current formula was based on a quick decision and not demonstrated need. Well, that is a look at news headlines here on AOA Today, brought to you by our friends at Cenex. With the temperature going down, so can your equipment. Cenex Premium Diesel Fuel is built with a balanced additive package to keep equipment moving. Don't let cold weather stop you. Learn more at Cenex.com. Hey, reminder as well, coming up this week, Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. We're going to be broadcasting AOA Live with our friends at AGI on Thursday in booth 3403 from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. on the trade show floor. Again, that's booth 3403 AGI. If you're going to be in Houston, hope you can stop on by and say hi to us while we broadcast AOA Live on Thursday morning. We're out of time. Have a great rest of your day. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to AOA. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Granton, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. Hey, wouldn't it be great if life came with a remote control? You know, you could hit pause when you needed to, or hit rewind, like that time you knocked down that wasp's nest. Uh-oh. Or that time you forgot to roll up your windows in the car wash. Fantastic. Yeah, a remote control would have come in handy then. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. But pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Life doesn't come with a remote control. So you're on your own with the wasps. You have the power to take control of prediabetes. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners.